Viking Boy by Tony Bradman. Blood, fire, vengeance. Chapter 8 A Silver Arm Ring. The guards caught him before he'd run ten paces. Gunnar struggled and kicked and cursed, but they pinned him down in the foul mud of the courtyard. Hey, Rurik, what do you want us to do with him? yelled the old guard. Do with him, Thorkel, Rurik said, walking over to them. Why, slap him on the back and tell him what a good lad he is. That boy has just given me the biggest laugh I've had in years. Clang, and Hogney went flying. What in Odin's name are you talking about, Rurik? Thorkel said, frowning. He had piercing blue eyes, grey hair tied in a ponytail, and wore a thick brown tunic. A decent-looking sword and a wooden scabbard rode on his hip. The boy smashed Hogney's face in with a shovel, said Rurik. Maybe it's made him look better. It couldn't have made him look any uglier, could it? Thorkel smiled at him and shook his head. I'm not sure Hogney agrees, he said, nodding at the smithy. Gunnar strained to look around. The smith was striding towards them, blood running from his nose. I'll kill him, I swear, Hogney growled. I'll strangle the little swine. Then there was a sudden hiss of steel. Hogney stopped instantly and fell silent. The point of Rurik's sword was resting on the soft white skin of his throat. Orm wouldn't be very happy with me if I allowed you to kill a slave before he had the chance to make a profit on him, Rurik said quietly. So on your way, Hogney, or I'll let the boy have another go at you. The guard sniggered and Hogney scowled. One day, Rurik, I'm going to cut your heart out and eat it, he snarled and stomped back to his smithy. So then, Rurik, said Thorkel, is the boy for the pens or what? No. I don't think so. Rurik rubbed his chin and stared after Hogney thoughtfully. Come on, boy, we're going to see Orm again. Rurik pulled a confused gunner to his feet and marched him to the hall once more. Orm stared coldly from his seat at the warrior and the boy. It's your lucky day, Orm, said Rurik. I've decided I need a slave, so you won't have to go to the trouble of putting this one on the auction block. Gunner turned to look at him, wondering what could be going through the big man's mind. He had expected Rurik to tell Orm what just happened, and for Orm to order a beating for him, or something worse. Is that so? said Orm. He seemed surprised too. What's brought this on? I've never known you to buy a slave before. I doubt you can pay my price. I can, said Rurik. This should be enough. Rurik took a thick silver arm ring from under one sleeve of his tunic. He tossed it to Orm, and the fat man caught it. He raised his gaze to Rurik and smiled. You're right. This will do nicely, he said. The boy is yours. Rurik nodded and pushed Gunnar out of the hall. Then he strode off down a nearby alley, keeping the boy moving ahead. Soon they came to a hut and went inside. A ring of hearthstone stood in the middle, a fur-covered bracken bed against one wall, a wooden chest against the other. Don't be worried, boy, said Rurik. He eased his sword belt over his head and tossed it on the bed. Then he kneeled by the hearth and poked at the ashes with a bit of kindling. I'm not going to eat you. Make yourself at home. This is not my home, said Gunnar, and I will never be your slave. For a moment, Gunnar thought Rurik hadn't heard. The big man blew into the ashes of the hearth, and a red glow appeared that, that he fed with more kindling. What's your name? Rurik said eventually. At least tell me that. Gunnar. Yellow flames are starting to flicker over the wood. Just Gunnar. Rurik sat with his back against the chest and crossed his legs. Suit yourself. And I don't suppose you're going to tell me how you ended up being sold as a slave by Gork of the Silver Tongue, are you? Gunnar shrugged. There's nothing to tell. There's always a story to tell, and I can probably guess some of yours. 
Your clothes are of fine quality, but they're stained with blood, so you have a good family. But something bad must have happened. Am I right? Maybe, said Gunnar. You're a tough one, I'll give you that. Rurik grinned. And you're a fighter. That's what I like about you. So let me go, Gunnar said quickly. I swear I'll find you the money to pay you back. But I can't be your slave. I can't stay here. Rurik's grin vanished. Listen, boy, until today you might have thought you were free. But this is always going to be your fate, foretold by the Norns. The same image of three ancient women in ragged black clothes filled Gunnar's mind again. He remembered Brunhild talking of them too, and he suddenly felt angry. What have they got to do with me? I've heard them mentioned in old stories, but I don't even know who they are. They know you, said Rurik. Some call them the Norns, others the Three Sisters. They sit at the foot of the great tree Yagdsrael and weave a web in which that each thread is a life, its past, present and future. They decide all that will happen from the day we're born to the day they cut our threads and we die. Gunnar wondered whether it was true. Had he always been doomed to see his home burned and father murdered and to end up a slave? If so, there was no point fighting against it and he might as well give up any idea of bringing father back from Valhalla and saving mother. But a new thought occurred to him and he spoke it out loud before he could catch himself. What if this isn't my final fate? What if my fate will lead me to other things? Perhaps it will, said Rurik. My fate has brought me to this stinking hole. You might find your way to somewhere else. But for now, you're my slave, and you'd better get used to that idea. As fates go, it's not that bad. Really? Gunnar scowled at him. How did you work that out? I'll be a kindly master. I won't beat you or make you work too hard. But you never bought a slave before. Why did you buy me? I thought it'd be worth it just to see Hogni's face when he finds out I've bought you, and that you're going to be around all the time. Gunnar's heart sank. He was to be Rurik's means of tormenting the smith. His presence in Kalpang would be a constant reminder to everyone that Hogni's nose had been flattened by a mere slave boy. So not only was he stuck here when he should be on his way to Valhalla, he was caught in a feud between two violent men. Why do you hate each other? He asked. I played a prank on Hogni one evening when I was bored, and he didn't like it, sighed Rurik. Harsh words were spoken and threats were made. Gunnar frowned, hardly able to believe that was all there was to it. And if I say no to being a slave, he said, looking Rurik in the eye. What if I refuse to accept as my fate and try to escape again the first chance I get? Ah, so you're stubborn too. Well then, I'd better show you. Rurik picked up his sword belt and put it on again, then ducked out through the hut's door, beckoning Gunnar to follow. The sky was darkening over the town, the air growing colder. Rurik's stride was long and his left hand rested easily on his sword hilt, and most people quickly got out of his way. This will do said Rurik at last. We can see them from here. They'd arrived at the quayside. The tide had ebbed and many of the ships were tilted onto their sides, the setting sun casting deep shadows. Gulls swooped and squawked, and a mud and sea smell filled Gunnar's nostrils. But there was another odour too, something foul and disturbing. See what? he asked, looking round at Rurik. The big man said nothing. He nodded at a couple of posts stuck in the mud twenty paces away from the quayside, a roughly pair of trimmed logs the height of a man. Now Gunnar understood where the stench was coming from. A dead body was tied to each post, the flesh puffy and green, white bones poking through the sodden rags that had once been clothes. This is what happens to slaves who try to escape, said Rurik. They soon get caught. The locals and most of the ship crews know that it doesn't pay to make an enemy of Orm. Once they've returned, he has them tied to the posts at low tide, and lets the sea kill them. 
it's not a good death or a quick one. Gunnar stared at the posts and lifted his gaze to the open sea. The land of ice and fire was somewhere across those waves. <laughs>